0: I wanted to open this morning by saying thank you to so many of you who have been keeping the people of Japan and also my family and the family of Elaine Cropot in your prayers the past few days. Um, The good news is Hiroko spoke with our family um, who live in western Japan on Saturday and they are fine. And um, Elaine's husband Nobuo has been sending regular emails from Tokyo keeping us updated. He was living for a while off chocolate and dried squid, but he's getting more substantial food now. Um, they're still trying to locate friends and, and other loved ones in the area, so please continue to keep them in your prayers. One of my concerns is for John Cato, who was at seminary with me at, church, at the Church Divinity School of the Pacific when I started studying there in 1999. He had come over to work on another master's degree. He was already ordained a priest. And he became kind of a mentor to those of us, few who who were acquainted with with the Japanese culture and who who had come over to study from Japan. And I was courting my wife at the time, so we we hung out with him regularly and affectionately came to call him Kato-sensei. And he went back to Japan, and a few years later, he was elected bishop of Tohoku, which is the region that has been most severely affected by the earthquake and tsunami, and so we're waiting to hear more word. Last we heard he is okay and his family are all right, but most, if not all, of the churches in his diocese have been damaged. And of course they're dealing with the aftermath of the tsunami, and as more word comes out this morning, we're learning that that possibly tens of thousands of people may be missing along the coastline and the fishing villages that were wiped out. So please keep that in your prayers. I was struck as I was following the news reports coming out of Japan um, and most particularly last night by a very moving picture of um, a group of young women standing in a grocery store in Fukushima and the store shelves were just completely bare, completely emptied of food and water and there were concerns of deprivation in many parts of the country that cannot be accessed right now because the roads are out and of course the railway is no longer working. There was another image this morning of containers and we see those container ships coming into the bay every day just strewn about like children's toys um, in Sendai which is the major metropolitan area in northeastern Japan. And it brought to mind not only the destructive power of nature but how vulnerable we are, even vulnerable in a contemporary age where we have so much technology and engineering skill, engineering skill incidentally which saved probably tens if not hundreds of thousands of lives in Japan because of the lessons learned not only from the Kobe quake back in 95 but before that. We are still vulnerable, so vulnerable. And it is a point of both fascination and spiritual awakening for me, that as we begin this Lent, we have this visage of destruction and human vulnerability and human frailty amongst our brothers and sisters in Japan. And as we watch the wave cross all the way over here and do damage along our coast and even come into the bay, we are reminded that we have very little to take pride in ourselves about and that we are commended one to another to God's hands. This is the profound lesson it seems to me of today's readings from Scripture. We open with the primordial story in the garden and we have Paul's response to it many many years later looking back on it and of course we have in our church tradition that wonderful doctrine of original sin which we all love to hate at some level but we wrestle with it because it comes with a lot of baggage but if you cut it down to its core it says something very profound about our human frailty and that is rooted most profoundly in that story from the garden. Eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is not knowledge in the way we understand it but I think is best understood as eating the fruit that gives rise to judgment, our judgment of others. Because when we know about good and evil we can see it in other people and we can identify it. We can see it in ourselves and we can judge ourselves. And the death that God promises Adam and Eve is not a physical death but a spiritual one because when they eat of that tree they set aside God's place in their lives and put themselves set themselves up as God and so may judge themselves and others. That is the primordial or original sin if you will and it is carried by the entire human family however we got it we got And we are exposed to it when we are most vulnerable. Because when all of the things that complicate our lives are stripped away, we are like those women standing in that grocery store where the shelves are bare. And just as important, we are like Jesus in the wilderness. hungry, thirsty, empty. Now the other temptation for us as 21st century Christians is to dismiss today's gospel as some sort of weird archetypal story about good and evil and darkness and light using these primitive images of devils maybe with horns and pitchforks and Satan coming, but there is a profound spiritual teaching in this gospel reading that speaks to us in all of our vulnerability and it's why it opens every land. Why we keep coming back to this story year after year. The voice of the tempter of Satan in this story speaks to the three deepest triggers of the human life and speaks to them profoundly and speaks to our temptation that arises from them. Spiritual teachers talk about these three areas in the human heart and the first one is our basic need, our basic need of hunger. We need food, we need shelter, And that, of course, is the first thing that the tempter speaks to when he comes to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Feed yourself. Our most basic grasping is after those human needs. Jesus comes back and says, human beings can't live on bread alone, but must live off every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the tempter comes back to Jesus and says, fine, I'll quote scripture to you. Talk the word of God. The second place that Jesus is then tempted is that second need, which is for love and esteem of others. Something that we all share and that's manifest in this story by the temptation for Jesus to throw himself off the top of the tower. Because then, of course, if God loves me, God will catch me. Jesus sees right through that. It's a test of God's love for him. He says, no. No, not going there. The third area is the most profound, and this goes back to the primordial garden, and that is the need for power and control over our own destinies and lives. The need to be able to judge, because what is judgment about if it's not about control? Control of others, control of ourselves, domination even. Jesus rejects that out of hand, reminding us that we are not in charge, God is in charge. When God is put back in charge of our lives, then we can be fed and our basic needs and our needs for love can be met. I think of our brothers and sisters this day in the Diocese of Tohoku. It's a small diocese, it's mostly rural. There are a handful of churches. It's helpful to keep in mind that less than 1% of the Japanese population is Christian. So they are on the margins already now faced with a disaster of biblical proportions. But I recall Kato Sensei's faith great witness to us, a faith that was rooted deeply not in pride or control or domination, but in a trust, an abiding trust of God and God's grace. And in the coming days we may have opportunity to help support and sustain that for people who are in need. And I hold it up to you as a Lenten image of our calling, of our journey this season. To set aside the pride and self will and judgment that so often is our greatest temptation. And instead, embrace a God who says, not only will God give us what we need for today, but will even overcome death and all that threatens us. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at oursaviourmv.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.